Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. We preached on that verse Last week, now we are on verse number 19, and it says, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Uh, May I draw your attention to just the first couple of words in that verse. verse. For there must be, we all know the verse, you must be born again. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This verse says, for there must be, in other words, expect it, count on it, it's going to happen. Heresies will be among you, Second Peter chapter number two. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who shall privily, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. They do it in private. They try to sneak it in. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Watch what verse 2 says. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious just means it's a destructive way. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. There's going to be corruption. There's going to be heresies. It's going to sneak in privately, but it's going to come to light and we will know who is who. And, you know, they're getting messed up in first Corinthians because it's all about them. And that's what's happening. And that's what's, and that is why they've messed up the Lord's supper. They've made it all about them and notice the decline verse number 16 uh but if any man seemed to be contentious now we we go into verse 17 watch what it says at the end not for the better but for the worse look at verse number 18 now that there be divisions and now by the time we get to verse number 19 For there must also be heresies. They don't even know how to come to the Lord's table. They've got no wisdom. They've got no understanding. Everything is about them. They're not preparing their hearts and their minds to worship the Lord on the Lord's Supper. Matthew 18, woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The world's full of offenses. You would think that we could come together as saints and not have contention, not have division, not have heresies, not have the worst of it. But that's not so, is it? The one thing. You've heard me say this before. You've thought this before. It's the one thing Christians agree on. 
how in the world can you mess up remembering what the Lord did to bring us all together in the first place? His death on the cross. And they're messing that thing up. And it's not about worshiping Christ. It's about worshiping themselves. First Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 19. Also, um, for there must be also heresies among you. Uh, in the Bible, we saw um, it's mentioned sect of the Sadducees and sect of the Pharisees. And in Christianity, there's different sects and those sects are divided out. There's the division because people think or believe or conclude differently. Well, the Sadducees, they were very wealthy. Matter of fact, the Sadducees were more interested in politics and they were trying to get in with Rome than they were in what the word of God says. Uh, which, by the way, we need to be careful about that. We live. Everybody that is born lives under some type of political system. OK, now I'm thankful that we live in America and not in Ethiopia. With that said, I serve the God of heaven. <laughs> I serve the ruler of the universe, not the ruler. Of the United States. But we must respect our authorities and we live under that. But who do you serve? Should be Christ first. I'm more concerned about uh, getting people to vote for Jesus, in other words, giving them the gospel so their soul would be saved. Well, the Pharisees or, or the, the Sadducees, they didn't care about that. They had their own little sect. Matter of fact, they just denied that there would be a bodily resurrection. So that sect of the Sadducees, they didn't like the apostles going around and preaching the resurrection of Christ. They thought, hey, we'll just be more involved in politics and we don't like uh, what you fellows are doing. They got their own little group. Pharisees, we know much about the Pharisees. You got to keep all the law. All 600 of them. What was their problem? They were self-righteous. They had their own little sect, their own little group. Uh, look at Matthew 23. Look at Matthew 23. Watch what Jesus has to say regarding uh, this issue. Matthew 23, verse number 3. Watch what Jesus has to say uh, regarding the Pharisees and their issues. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Verse 3, all therefore whosoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. You know what we call that? Hypocrisy. You want to preach something, but you don't want to practice what you preach. If you've ever been in an argument, at one time it's been said to you, or if you said to somebody else, well, why don't you practice what you preach? <laughs> We've either said it or it's been said to us because we were guilty. Verse number four, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. 
They're just self-righteous. That's the sect of the Pharisees. Second Peter 2, we looked at that verse. We got heresies among you. It's one thing if we're saved. If you put yourself back in that time, you can look and say, oh, well, yeah, of course, the Sadducees. I mean, they don't even believe in a resurrection. Of course, I mean, those folks are going to be messed up. Of course, we got the sect of the Pharisees. They're just self-righteous. But God's talking about us. Christians. Christians, there's divisions. There's worse. There's heresy. There's contention. And it ought not be so. Especially with the Lord's Supper. What is a heresy? You've got false religion. You've got false beliefs in those religion, and those and those would be called heresies. Martin Luther was considered a heretic. Now he saw salvation by grace. Well, that's not a heresy, but he was considered a heretic because he went in and divided the group. He stirred the hornet's nets with that Roman Catholic Church, man. He sure did. And they called him a heretic. Why? Because he came in and he divided the thing. <laughs> now, it was a righteous cause to stand on. But nonetheless, when you go into an organized group, when you go into a set of beliefs, um, as much as we are against salvation by water baptism, it wouldn't be the Christian thing to do to go into a church of Christ on a Sunday morning at 1045 and break the thing up. <laughs> They're meeting on their own free will. It's not my place or your place to go in there and stir the pot. But we certainly find them out on the street. We certainly find them out in public. We certainly can knock on doors. We can certainly find them and say, hey, can we talk about this? There's a difference. We're not looking for trouble. Trouble will just finds you. Why am I saying that? We wouldn't want somebody to come in here and do that to us. Whatever measuring stick you use to judge someone else, it's only fair if you allow them to use the same measuring stick on you and I. <laughs> And I'm not going to go and break up a peaceable assembly. You know, I'm glad Martin Luther did. He did. But I'm just saying that our job isn't to go into other churches and break them up and divide them. Our job is to figure out how we can worship with the right spirit and have us and have us not divide. Have us gather around the truth. Have us come to the Lord's table with the right spirit and the right attitude. That's what. This is about go to Galatians 5 and let's see what, a, what what heresy is defined as in the Bible. At least one definition. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Look at the end of verse 20. Heresies, 
See that long list of stuff? Heresies, the bottom line is, biblically, it's a work of the flesh. Does the work of the flesh ever produce anything good? It doesn't. How do we, how ultimately, I guess if we bottom line it, how ultimately can we stay away from heresies and all of the other things that starts with adultery and ends with revelings? We can stay away from heresies by obeying verses 22 through 26. Live by the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> I mean, that's a good place to start. That's a real good place to start to avoid divisions and contentions and worse and all the stuff that's listed in verses 16, 17, 18 and 19. Pretty every single one of those verses brings out a negative connotation. Titus chapter 3, verse number 10. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition. If you admonish someone, you're going to warn them, you're going to caution them, you're going to instruct them. And it says, after the first and second admonition, what does it say? Reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. A heresy is a work of flesh. We need to put on the fruit of the spirit. That's going to help us right there. You come face to face with a heretic in the church. You admonish him once. You admonish him twice. And then what do you got to do? Reject him. Why? Because it's not going to go anywhere. It's not. His heart's got to change. Her heart's got to change. We want to avoid division. We want to avoid heresy. And if we start with the right heart attitude, Galatians, putting on the fruit of the Spirit, we can gather around the Lord's Supper and avoid all the negative connotations that we're seeing in verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. Colossians 3, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm telling you, not only teaching, but teaching through song and just what it says, hymns and, 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 and spiritual songs. That admonishes us. That instructs us. Some of the hymns that are sung, some of the special music that's sung instructs us and warns us just within the words. It's another way to, to be admonished, to be admonished. And notice it ends, Colossians 3, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Does everybody realize that we live in a fallen world? <laughs> And then our souls got saved and now we get together as Christians and there's going to be differences of opinion. It shouldn't cause us to mess up the Lord's Supper. Put all that aside and come together without any of that. So it's done right because ultimately it's for the Lord. For the Lord.
The world is confused. We know that. Go to Psalm 133. See if this will help us. Psalm 133. Bible says in verse number one, Psalm 133. This is the reason, the reason that church unity is so, so hard to get a hold of. It's so hard to understand, yet it's so simple. Is because we as people, well, let's back up a little bit. We as Americans, American people, we're just so selfish. We, we, are, we are just selfish. Look at Psalm 30, 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. We can't unite anymore. telling you it's almost like people look for the dividing line it's like we're professional hair, hair splitters look if you're preaching the word of God and you're going verse by verse and you're going through all of the verses and not skipping over anything We've said this before. People are going to get convicted. They're going to get offended. They're going to get, I don't know about that. They're going to get, well, wait a minute. That is to be expected. But if we draw the lens back in, in regard to the Lord's Supper, all of that goes away. And we laser in on one thing. Because we can draw the lens back and say, this is what we all agree with. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. This is for the Lord. We're gathering together to worship him. It's his table, not our table. We should unite around that and put differences aside. Church liberty, people can't understand that because that's just completely abused. They hear liberty is just a license to do whatever they want. Church discipline is so relaxed that it's basically non-existent. But there's contentions, there's divisions, there's heresies. Imagine a father running his home with no discipline. Imagine a mother running her home with no discipline for the kids. It'd be chaos. And here comes Paul. <laughs> Let me help you guys out. You're wrong. And he's bringing some discipline. He's trying to. He's trying to help them all out. First Corinthians chapter 11, we're moving into and now dealing with the Lord's Supper. Would we all agree it's his table and it's his supper? That means he gets to make the rules. We don't. I doubt you would go into somebody else's house if they invited you over for dinner and said, no, 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 put those all away. I got my own plates I'm going to put out. That lady would be highly offended, highly offended and rightfully so. It's her house. It's her kitchen. It's her plates. It's her food. Yet we come to the Lord's table. Well, not we, but they're coming to the Lord's table. And come on. Paul's trying to help them out saying, look, you guys are just way out of line, way out of line. He is the authority, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read those two verses again for first of all, when you come together, verse 18. In the church, we get a specific context there. I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, but there must also or there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Lord gave us those verses so that we would understand from the start there will be divisions and there will be heresies. Um we had a situation occur back when we were meeting in Sparta. This couple was coming and we celebrated the Lord's Supper. And at the end of at the end of the Lord's Supper, well, it was at the end of the church service, but when we did Lord's Supper, we did church service. At the end of that, I got the question, well, from the husband, not the wife. The husband asked, my wife is concerned that she can't be involved in the Lord's Supper. I said, well, what do you mean? What he meant was, she went to him and said, I should be able to lead. I should be able to read the verses and expound them. I said, Brother Jimmy, what do you think about that? Now, I can either tell them what they want to hear. I can be rude. I can avoid dealing with it because that's kind of the trend now. You are looking to avoid dealing with these situations because when you deal with them, you risk offending somebody and they might leave. This is why these mega churches build so big because they're not going to have the discussion. That's why you that's why you and I this that's why our crowd wouldn't end up there. So I said, my answer was, well, I understand your point. Let me pray about this, let me think about this, let me run some verses, and uh, I'll I'll go ahead and give a lesson on it. I learned a couple of things from this situation, by the way, that we'll, I, I'll get into maybe at a, at a different lesson. So I at a different time. So the next Sunday, I taught a lesson on uh, the Lord's Supper and I and why women aren't leading in the Lord's Supper. And I went to <laughs> keep flipping in your Bible. I went to First Corinthians chapter number 14. And Brother Roloff, Lester Roloff, he had a quote or a saying that basically said there are not a lot of verses in the Bible about women. You don't need brains to preach them. You just need guts. <laughs> And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, I said, uh, it says in verse 35, and if they will learn anything, let uh, or verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. They are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. They've got one, women have one thing they can't do. 
exercised authority over the man in the church when the congregation comes together as a church and there's teaching and worshiping of the Lord. That's the only thing God says you can't do. That's it. And I brought out you have a complementary you have a you have a complementary role in teaching. Ladies, the older ones teaching the younger ones. Children getting together and doing a children's lesson. You can teach. It's just there's only one thing you can't do is when the congregation is assembled together, let the man take the lead. Not because he's smarter. Because we're just used to sitting back with the, you know, with the remote. And, the, and most of the time, it's going to be the lady that steps up. You know what God says? To avoid that, man, man up, man. You take the lead. So the ladies don't have to. And because that's how God ordained it. I thought it was a good lesson. I thought it was biblical. The reaction I got was, I'm in bondage. I don't know. That's that's not. That's just for the Corinthian church, and it's not for today. And I want to be. I want to have liberty. There needs to be a spirit of liberty. And what you've got in First Corinthians is just for that church back then, not for us today. I made the mistake. Well, I didn't think it was a mistake at the time, but I said, well, that would mean <laughs> it's funny when you read first Corinthians chapter number 14, what does it say in verse 14 uh, in verse number one? Watch what it says in the very first verse, follow after charity. So you mean to tell me that's not for us today? And then I said, look at the last verse in the chapter. Verse number 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Does all mean all? <laughs> You mean to tell me that verse isn't for today either? As soon as you say one thing in the chapter isn't for today, you have to say everything in the chapter isn't for today. It's to be expected. I get sick to my stomach when I have to deal with these things because I don't want to be that guy. But if I don't be that guy, we're just going to have a hodgepodge of stuff. And the next thing you know, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And it's going to look like 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And someone's going to have to come in here and admonish me and help me out as a preacher. And look, I need, we, we all need help. I need help. You need help. We all need help. But I don't want to go against what the word of God says just to keep attendance up. You know, Brother Jimmy, if you would just kind of back away from a couple of doctrines, I bet you we can build up a big church house. To which I say, I bet you're right. <laughs> but God told us in his word, just expect heresies, just expect divisions. You're going to just have to deal with it. And you know what Paul's doing? He's dealing with it. With the understanding that he wants them to clean up. He wants them to get right. And they end up, they end up do, do getting right. So you got to address them. Okay, so here's what people say. Go to Matthew 13, and I'll show you the verse that people go to to not deal 
with issues that come up concerning the Lord's Supper or concerning any type of church discipline. Which, by the way, that's what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's trying to help them out. And watch what it says in Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse number 24. Matthew 13, verse number 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? You got tares with wheat. Everybody see that? Tares is growing, wheat's growing, and it's together. Verse 28, he said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Don't go gather them up. Let them be. If there's something rooting up in the church, let it be. If there's a heresy going on, just let it be. Don't address it. Watch verse 30. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, gather the wheat into my barn. Now, this is the verse people go to to say, hey, just leave it alone. Let them all just grow together. You're going to have tares and wheat in the church. Except this ain't talking about the church. You know what it's talking about? Go down to verse 38. The field is the world. <laughs> the field isn't the church. The field's the world. And you know what's going to happen? Tares are going to grow and wheat is going to grow together. That's talking about the world. My job, your job, is not to go out into the world and try to fix it. Let them grow. <laughs> You go out there and you sow the seed of the word, seed of the gospel. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and try to fix the world. You got divisions, you work your problems out. But in the church, we got to work it out. It's the Lord's church. And we're not going to use Matthew 13 to avoid dealing with problems that root up. Problems that we got to deal with. It. That's what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians. The whole book, he's dealing with helping them out with their problems. We're responsible to keep the church house and the up and up. We're responsible to keep the assembly with the right spirit, doing the Lord's Supper the right way, doing baptism the right way, doing everything we do in excellence. All right, get Galatians 2 and Acts 16. We'll go through these quickly. Galatians 2 and Acts 16. Galatians 2 and Acts 16. We have to be careful about the conclusions that we draw based on what we see. You ever see something and you form an opinion and then later you realize, yeah, I've seen that, but that wasn't what I've seen. <laughs> We have to be careful about that. We all do. 
Watch what it says in Galatians chapter. Uh, let's do Galatians chapter two first. Galatians two, verse number three. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Basically, Titus and circumcised. And if you're going to come into a church and try to compel me to be circumcised, to be right with God, no. None of us have to be circumcised to be right with God. And they had that problem in Galatians. When we preached through that, we, we went over that. Now watch Acts 16. I want to draw out these two verses together and then uh, then connect the dots with it. Acts 16, verse number three. Uh, it says, Acts 16, three, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. In Acts chapter 16, Timothy gets circumcised. In Galatians chapter 2, Titus doesn't get circumcised. Well, wait a minute. What's that all about? Do we have to or don't we have to? You know why Paul circumcises in Acts 16? Because it was voluntary. You want to go out and get circumcised? Go ahead. You just can't come into the church and demand that every male has to do that, which is what was happening in Galatians. One was voluntary. One was, I am going to force and compel you. And if you don't, you are not right with the Lord. See the difference? There's a forcing and there's a voluntary. There's a there's volunteering. What's different? The circumstance is different. The circumstance is different. We need to be careful about what we see because what we see isn't always what we see. Churches don't deal with divisions. They don't deal with heresies because they don't want the problem of dealing with. What do the people see? Well, I guess the preacher don't want to go by the Bible. Or, well, isn't that nice? He's so caring and loving. He won't. People come up with all types of conclusions. What we have to do is say, what's the context of what's going on? And now how do we address it? We did that with a bunch of different different issues. We did it with head coverings. You want to wear it? Great. Just don't try to compel other women to wear it and then tell them they're not saved, they're not right with God, they're not spiritual enough, or you're not a real church because you're not following an ordinance. Now you're taking it too far. But you've got liberty to do that if you want to. Difference between Timothy and, and Titus. 
One was voluntary. One was, no, I don't want to do that. There's no reason to. Again, why churches don't want to have to deal with division. First Corinthians 15, 33, the Bible says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Young people, pay attention. Your environment will affect you. Your environment will change you. It will influence you. And if you tolerate things in the name of love, you're not going to get a lot done for the Lord. You'll end up not loving the truth. And Paul loves the truth. And so what he does is he pulls them aside and he says, hey, look, I've got to address what's going on because what you guys are doing is not right. You've made it about you. And their evil communication is corrupting the entire Lord's Supper. And you have to address it ultimately is a moral problem. And Paul's addressing it. We've got to be able to address heresies. All right, so let's wrap it up. First Corinthians 11, verse uh, number 19. Get Jude 3. First Corinthians 11, verse number 19. Uh, we'll read the end of the middle of the verse here to the end. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Uh, they which are approved, you're a believer in Christ. If you are, you should strive for excellence in all that you do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If what you're doing is a work for God, thumbs up, keep doing it. And God wants you to know, he wants me to know, it's not in vain. There's fruit that's coming out of it. There's blessings that are coming out of it that may be made manifest among you. They're steadfast in their faith. And you're going to find out who's approved and who's not approved. Who's the leader of the divisions? Who's the leader of the heresies and who's not? Jude chapter 3 or Jude verse 3. Beloved, Jude uh, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnest contention is what this thing's about. Don't be on the side of error and heresy. Don't be the guy that's causing division. Don't be the gal that's sincere but falling into error. We got to know to expect. Two more verses and we'll be done. Two more to wrap up this thought. We want good to come out of. Get Luke 2 and 1 John 2. Luke 2 and 1 John 2. James 1 says, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And 1 Corinthians 11 are being tried. By Paul. And good should be coming out of it.
That's the whole idea. Luke 2, verse 35. Luke 2, 35, the Bible says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through your through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Sword of the word of God should pierce your hearts. And the principle I'd like to draw out is it should reveal the thought of your hearts so that you would be better for it. This is why the word of God is so powerful. It should pierce your heart. It should pierce my heart. And it reveals our heart. First John 2, last verse. We'll be done. First John chapter 2. First John 2, verse number 19. Uh, verse 18, little children is the last time. And as you've heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out. They might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You're going to find out sometimes through contention, through division, through heresy, or the worse, not the better. You're going to find out they really weren't of us to begin with. And some people are going to fall into that category. We want to try to unite around God's word. And when we come around the Lord's Supper, no division, no contention, no heresy. Let's just get our hearts and mind focused on what God did for us. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.